You know, I've been married 10 years and uh, been 10 wonderful years. I hope my wife would say the same thing. I'm sure she would. But I've uh, been married 10 years. And in that 10-year period, every now and then, when my wife is out of town, I can't sleep at night. And I, maybe some of you can relate to that. I just can't. Whenever my wife is, is with me, I have no problem going to sleep. But whenever she's out of town for a night or two nights, I dread it. I, I don't dread, dread missing the, the food or her company. I dread because I can't go to sleep. And I just know that's happening. I can't go to sleep. My body has been trained that I have to fall asleep with her sitting next to me. And I've tried this as an experiment on my dog. I thought, well, maybe my dog can help kind of take the place. So I put the dog next to me in the bed. I still can't sleep. I got a body pillow. I put it and I still can't sleep. I notice when she's not there. I mean, I don't sleep at all, all night long. I notice when she is not next to me. It's similar to what we find if you want to turn in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 in the New Testament, verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Look at verse 37. Later, Simon, or Peter, and others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, We must go over to the other towns as well and preach to them. That is why I came. Before daybreak the next morning, Simon Peter gets up and is frantically looking for Jesus. I want to talk for a few moments on staying fresh tonight. What's interesting in the passage uh, Peter has just hooked up with Jesus. They've just started following each other, uh, and, and Jesus has just called Peter. Um, they probably knew each other before this, but he just officially called him to be a disciple uh, earlier in this text. And so he now has uh, Peter, he's got some other guys, and they're having a campfire. They're all camping out, or they're staying at a house or wherever, but they're staying there, and Jesus gets up, and I think he did this quite often, but he gets up early while it's still dark, four or five o'clock in the morning, to go out and pray and seek the face and seek the will of his father and direction of God for that particular day, which is all well and good. Peter, again, they just started following each other. Peter was, is wakened by this. And so Jesus, I'm sure, being Jesus, because he could walk on water, he could probably leave a room pretty quietly. So it's not like Jesus is clanging pots and pans as he's walking out the door. He's probably leaving very quietly. But nonetheless, it wakes Peter up. And Peter gets up and he begins to look frantically for Jesus. Jesus, where are you? Where did you go? And he begins to panic a little bit. He begins to have a little bit of an anxiety attack. Where did Jesus go? What happened? He gets a couple of the other guys with him. Guys, we got to find the rabbi. Where did he go? Where is he at? They begin to search him. And when they find him, they say, we've been looking for you. Peter, trying to be all macho, says, uh, they were looking for you. I just part of the posse. No, every, we were looking for you, Jesus. Where were you? It's amazing. You know, it's amazing to me in that text. The first thing is when fanatically fresh equals fanatically blessed. Fanatically fresh equals fanatically blessed. What's amazing in that passage is that Peter is so in tune with Jesus that when Jesus leaves the room, Peter knows it. Peter is so connected with Jesus. He's so in love with Jesus. He's so on fire with Jesus. He is in love with the guy so much so that Peter could literally be dead asleep and Jesus walk out of the room and Peter wakes up out of his sleep. Something's not right. Something's going on. The question is, are you that way? And for most of us in the room, 
if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian, especially as Pentecostal folk, the reality probably for you is you would say, absolutely, when I first became a Christian, I was just like Peter. I was so in tune with Jesus. I was so in love with him that I could close my eyes and I knew when the presence of God was in the, was in the room. I could close my eyes. I could just sense God's presence. And when God's presence wasn't in the room, I knew it then as well. I knew when he was here. I knew when he was gone. He's so in love with him. He's so hungry for him. He could sense his presence. And the amazing thing is, he doesn't just say, well, Jesus, he'll come back. Let's go ahead and get some biscuits and gravy on it. No, he says, we got to go find him. Guys, he's not here. Let's go looking for him. Let's search him. And they find him. They were so hungry for him. This relationship with Jesus, they hadn't been following him very long. They had just recently become permanent disciples of Jesus. So it's new. It's fresh. It's exciting, man. We're going to heal some people. We're going to cast out demons. It's going to be great. And they're in love with Jesus. They love what he's talking about. They love the stuff he says. They're hungry for him. Starting off very brand new in their relationship, Peter and Jesus. And he's so in love with the guy that Jesus could leave the room and it wakes Peter up. You know, when I was uh, at Bible college, my very first, as I'm moving in, uh, I met a guy who was a junior, and I was a freshman, obviously. I met this junior, and he played, he was a linebacker. He might have been a senior, but he was a linebacker for the, for the football team. And his name was Sarge. If you're going to play football in college as a linebacker, you better have a name like Sarge. And I mean, he was every bit of a Sarge. He was just, just a hunk of muscle, I mean, is what the guy was. And I remember, and he was my residential advisor, and he was kind of the, the boss that we had on our hall and in our dorm. And, and I remember as, I, as we're moving in, I'm unpacking my stuff. You know, I'm, I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm green behind the ears, all that stuff. I'm moving in, and I remember asking Sarge, hey, any words of advice for a young freshman? And, you know, I'm thinking he'd say all these other things and study hard and do all this stuff. And you know what he said? The, the, the Bible school we went to had chapel every single day. Every single day we had chapel, no matter what. Then we were required to go to church. Then we were uh, required to have dorm devotions every single Tuesday. Then, on top of that, guess where you're at? A Bible school. You know what your main textbook is? The Bible, right? And you know what Sarge told me? He said, this is the easiest place to lose your relationship with Christ. And I thought, maybe for you. You don't know who I am, buddy. You don't know my relationship with Jesus. He said, you be careful. This is the easiest place that you can lose that relationship with Jesus because you're so saturated with it. You have to go to chapel every day. It's not optional. You have to read your Bible. You have to do this. You have to do that. And if you're not careful, you will that spiritual hunger will become spiritual laziness and you'll lose that relationship. And I thought, nah, that's not going to happen to me. And so as a freshman, we had a prayer room in the bottom of the dorm and I'd go in that prayer room. Man, I'd pray. I'd call out. I'd be praying for an hour. I'd just seek the Lord. As long as a freshman, as a senior, I was too busy. I wasn't too busy doing homework. My grades reflected that. I wasn't too busy doing other. I was just too busy. I kind of talked about this morning. And before I knew it, man, as a freshman, I love going to chapel every day. It'd be like coming to a service like tonight or this morning every single day. Wouldn't you love that? Well, try that for four years and tell me how it is. And after a while, it just became routine. It just became kind of commonplace to me. And before I knew it, my, I was still a Christian, still loved the Lord, but that fire, that passion that had once started off new and fresh, that hunger I had, just like Peter, had kind of waned in those days. 
it just kind of became old hat to me. Do you remember those early days of your salvation, your relationship with Christ? How hungry you were for Him, how connected you were, how deeply in love with you were with Him. How He radically changed your life, how much you loved Him. Think back. Some of you, it may have been 50 years ago. Some of you, it may have been two weeks ago, five months ago, three years ago, whatever. Think back to that moment. Close your eyes if you need to. Just don't fall asleep. But think back to that moment. There were that moment that you said yes to Christ and no to sin. The moment that He washed away the sin in your life. Where were, I think most of you could probably name the spot. You could probably name the clothes you're wearing. Think about how that felt. And now I want you to take that compared to where you are today. Where is that? That fire that you had, that love that you had, that passion that you had. Man, anytime the doors were open to the church, you were there. You'd get your hand on a Bible. You'd read it cover to cover. You'd pray. You didn't even know what you're saying. You're just praying. You're hungry for Him. And now we go to church. We do the routine. My question is, where is that? Is it as hot as it was those years ago or months ago? Or has that become a little bit of a routine, an old hat? You know, most new Christians, they don't want to spend one moment away from God's presence. They want to be in His presence every chance they get, every time they can. They just love His presence. Just like Peter, they notice when he's not in the room. They want to be with Jesus wherever He is. If they have to get up early and find Him, they'll get up early and find Him. As a new Christian, if I need to wake up at 6 in the morning to pray for 30 minutes or an hour, man, I'm going to do it because I just love the Lord. If I need to pray, read five chapters a day of the Bible, I'm just going to read it. I don't care. The question is, for us that have been Christians for a while, do you still do that? Do you still wake up early to seek the face of the Lord? Do you still read the Scriptures with that same burning desire and passion? Are you still as hungry as you were? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will find me, God says, when you seek me with all of your hearts. And say, seek me with half your heart. But God is a God that wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to connect with you. He doesn't hold us at arm's length. He wants to embrace you and have a relationship with you. He is a God that says, I want to be known by you and have that relationship with you. And I will be found. You can find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. It's that easy. It's not hard. God is a God that doesn't make coming to Him hard or challenging. He makes it quite the opposite, very easy. But the thing is, it's all of your heart. You'll seek me when you find me with all of your heart. Peter has that example. Now, with that in your mind, remember Mark chapter 1, what happens? Jesus gets up to go pray. Who follows him? Peter. He seeks him out. He wakes Peter up from asleep to find Jesus. Now turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. A very familiar passage. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Your translation may say, stay here and pray with me. Verse 35, Jesus went a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour of the cross might, awaiting him might pass. 
By saying, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. Look at verse 37. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayers before. Look at verse 40. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. And they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them a third time, he said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But know that the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Think about this. Take these two passages and put them side by side. Remember Mark chapter 1? Jesus gets up to go pray. And what happens? Peter is dead asleep. He is so in love with Jesus. He's so connected with Jesus that when Jesus leaves the room, Peter knows it. It wakes him up. Peter goes to find Jesus. He finds him and he says, man, let's get started with our day. Three years later, may have been a little longer than that, but three years later, Peter has been right by Jesus' side. Most scholars believe that Jesus even lived at Peter's house with his family. It was just buddies. I mean, they're close together. They eat every meal together for like three years. If it's anybody on the planet that knows Jesus really well, it's Peter. Three and a half years go by. He's seen it all. I mean, Peter was there at the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter was there when Jesus walked on water. Peter even walked on water. Peter was there when Jesus cast out demons, when he healed the sick, when Jesus did all these amazing things. Peter had a front row seat. And when it began, their relationship was new and fresh. Anytime Jesus would walk out of the room, Peter knew it. Now, three years later, may have been the big feast they had just a few hours ago but now three years later he's seen it all he's heard it all he's done it all now when Jesus needs him the most he can't stay awake think about that the irony of that three years ago he wakes up to find him now three years later he can't even stay awake when Jesus needs him Jesus takes his three closest friends the second point is when you're stale you're more likely to fail he takes his three closest friends, the three guys he could count on, and their number one ringleader is Peter. He takes them aside from the other uh, disciples, and he says, listen, I need you guys. You guys are my prayer warriors. You're my prayer team, and you don't really understand what's about to happen, but I do, and chaos is about to happen because you're going to be scattered, and, and I'm about to go to the cross, and all this crazy stuff is going to go on. I need you to pray. Did you hear what, what the Scripture said? Jesus needed them to pray. Who is Jesus? God in the flesh. In other words, God needed them to pray. We often don't think about God needing Needing things and he doesn't but here God needs them to pray can I tell you that nothing's changed in the last 2,000 years God needs you to be praying God needs you to watch and pray and watch and pray and watch and pray not because of an election but because of your neighbors that don't know Christ because of the Galena that doesn't know Christ and Joplin and wherever you are God is saying wake up watch and pray with me I need you the hour is at hand watch and pray and for us new Christians, man, we're there. We're like, hey, I already signed up for the prayer sheet. I'm ready to go. And sometimes if we're not careful, older Christians, and I'm talking to myself, if we're not careful, it can be, man, I've been doing those all-night prayer meetings for a while now, Jesus. 
I mean, we've been going through this routine. I've already read this passage a number of times. I've already prayed this prayer. I've already sang this worship song. And when you're not careful, that passion that you first had, just like me at Bible college, it's just a routine. It's just a routine. Today, this morning, we talked about not rushing God's presence. Here we're talking about, not similar to that, but not letting God's presence become a routine. You realize how blessed you are. My wife and I, the last couple months, have been visiting all kinds of different churches. Let me just tell you, y'all are blessed, okay, with Pastor Sean and Pastor Josh. I mean, you guys are blessed. Don't take that for granted. I'm telling you, I have went to some other Pentecostal churches, and we're not putting them down, but man, you go in there, worship, it's like, you know, First Methodist on the door. I mean, it's crazy, right? You guys have got it so good here. So be careful when you older create. Well, I don't know this song. Well, maybe it's too loud. No, 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 Lord, I'm just thankful to be. I'm thankful for your goodness, Lord. I'm thankful for how wonderful you are. And just begin to worship. When you're stale, you're more likely to fail. And that's exactly what happens to Peter. I mean, Jesus tells him that, Peter, if you don't get with the program, Jesus says, watch and pray. Why? Well, because I need it, Peter. I need your prayers. I'm about to go to the cross for your sins. I'm about to face the, the sin of the world. The wrath of God Almighty is about to be poured out on me. I need you, Peter. But Peter, not just for me, but you don't know what's about to happen, the, the temptation you're about to face, and you need it for yourself. Sometimes God wants us to pray, not just for other people, but for ourselves. We don't even know what's going to happen. And you don't know what challenge you're going to face Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. And so the Lord's telling you tonight, be praying, be praying, be watching, be praying, be ready, be ready, be ready. Because temptation is coming, Peter. And if you're not ready, and if you're not watching, and you're not prepared, guess what? It's going to blindside you up the head. And that's what happens with Peter. Peter's going along and, and they just have this big um, Passover meal and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus tells the other guys, you guys stay here. I'm going to bring my prayer warriors to the side. Peter, James, and John, you guys pray. Peter, you're the leader. You make sure they pray. Jesus goes off and he prays. And when he needs these guys the most, he comes back and they're out of it. And they're snoring. He wakes them up. He doesn't notice, didn't mention the other guy, Peter. Peter, what's going on? I need you to pray. I need you to pray for me, but I need you to pray for yourself that you don't fall into temptation. Watch and pray. You got it? I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm so sorry. You're right. I, I it won't happen again. Give me some coffee. Give me espresso. I'm, I'm going to stay awake. It's going to be good. Go ahead and go pray. Jesus goes and prays another 15, 20, 30 minutes, hour, whatever it is. He comes back. Peter, you said you'd wake up. You don't understand how serious this is. Peter, you don't understand what's about to happen within the next three hours, within the next 24 hours. You don't understand that you're about to deny me three times. Peter, you need to watch. You need to pray. It's for my sake. It's for your sake. You need to do it. I'm sorry, Jesus. You're right. You're so right. I'm sorry. I Okay, I got it this time. Jesus goes off to pray. He comes back. Same thing. Three times in a row when Jesus needed his friends the most when he needed his prayer warriors the most they were sleeping can I tell you this wouldn't happen three years ago it wouldn't in fact Peter was so on fire for the Lord he was so in love with Jesus that Jesus leaves the room Peter's going to find it now before you know it familiarity breeds contempt before you know it I've been around him I've seen it I've done it I've seen him pray I've been I've been through that it's just routine man 
Jesus tells us to pray all the time. I mean, he tells us to call on, on his Father all the time. How is this any different? It becomes routine. God needs us to be praying for our neighbors, for our own benefit. And you know what's sad? Look at verse 40 again very quickly. When Jesus returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Look at the very end of that. And they, meaning the disciples, led by Peter, didn't know what to say. Could I just ask you, if, if the Lord was to reveal to you the rest of this week and say, you need to be praying today because what's going to happen on Wednesday, don't you think you'd be on your knees calling out to Him, seeking His face, being in His presence? Don't, what, if, what if the Lord is saying, um, you know, hey, some uh, family member that you have, a friend that you have, they don't know me. And if you pray, I'm so close. I've been dealing with their heart and dealing with their heart. And they're so close to accepting me. If you just keep praying, that's going to keep stoking that fire. And they're going to come to you, come to me. But instead, that spiritual hunger that we once had in our life has turned into spiritual laziness. This morning, it was all about not having time. Tonight, it's all about spiritual laziness. If we're not careful... That hunger can turn stale. And you be careful. When your hunger turns stale, it is prime time for the enemy to pounce. It is your weakest moment. And that is one of the things we remember Peter for, right? We remember him for like two main things, walking on water. What's the other thing? Denying Jesus. Do you think that Peter would have denied Jesus three times if he would have stayed awake right here and prayed? I don't. Maybe he would have. I don't. I think he would have been awake. I think he would have been praying. I think he would have been seeking God's will and, and his guidance in his life. They didn't know what to say to him. Don't let that hunger for Jesus become routine. Your love for him, your passion for him. You know, uh, growing up, we had a pond uh, at the front of, of where we lived. And this pond was a great pond. And we go swimming in it. It's a man-made pond. And in the summertime, uh, we had some cows, and they would you know, move the cows to like another pasture. And so as the summer would go on, you guys know summers here, they get really hot, really humid. And so this pond had no uh, living water or running water moving through, just a pond. And so you'd wake up one morning, and you're eating breakfast, and you look over at the pond, and there's a little bit of green stuff around the edge. And two, three days go by, that green stuff is, is growing, and there's now more of it. And then another week or two goes by or a month, and before you know it, that green stuff, that bacteria, had covered the entire pond. Covered the whole thing. It was disgusting. I mean, it was like swamp thing could be walking out of that at any moment. And we'd go in it and play in it and drink the water. Maybe that's why I am the way. I don't know. But it was crazy. It was nasty stuff. Why did that happen? Because there was nothing in that water to stir it up. There was nothing in that water to make it fresh, to flow through it. All it was was just a stagnant, stale body. Water would come in, no water would go out. No fresh water would come in. Oh, it was a pond, but it was a stagnant, stale pond that nobody wanted to be around. Oh, you might be a Christian, you might love the Lord, you're going to heaven, glory bound, but the reality is you're stagnant, you're stale. That hunger for the Lord that you had five years ago, ten years ago, fifty years ago, last month, whatever the case is, has just become, just like Peter, routine. What was once special to you, what was once awesome to you, what was once new and exciting has just become routine in your life and relationship with Him. Be careful. 
You're still a Christian, but a stagnant Christian. And I believe, and we hear this all the time as Christians, we're living in the last days, living in the last days, and yes, that's true. But here's the reality. Let's take that a step further. If you really believe that you are living in the last days as a Christian, how much more should you be watching and praying and watching and praying and watching and praying and watching and praying? Right? I mean, if you really believe it, don't just say, well, I, I watch Fox News and they said this and then I watch this and they said this. Oh, we're living in the last days. Well, that's great, sweetie, but watch and pray because of it. Don't just stand there and say, we're living in the last days. That helps nobody. You know what helps people? Watching and praying. Peter, wake up. Watch and pray. You watch and pray. You watch the people come to Jesus. You watch the people come. You won't be able to contain this place. People are going to come to Christ. Why? Because you've been doing what He asked you to do. Watch and pray. They need you. The people that live in this community need you. Jesus needs you to watch and to pray. Not be stagnantly stale or not be boring, but just watch and pray. Be fanatically fresh with Him. Your family, your friends, community, this country, the world needs you to stay awake and to pray. The reality is, I'm a Christian, I believe we're to live in the last days, all that good stuff, but you know what? I don't look for prophecy to be fulfilled. Maybe I should. Instead, I'm watching and I'm praying. I'm not watching for prophetic signs. I'm watching for souls to come to Christ. I'm not praying for the return of Jesus. No, I say, wait, Jesus, there's more people that need to come in. Just hold off a little bit. There's more people that need to come in. I'm watching and I'm praying. I'm not looking. I'm watching and praying for new people to come to Him. Has your relationship with Him become so routine that the passion and hunger is gone? If I could just ask you this in verse 40, if Jesus was to ask you the same question, what would your answer be? If Jesus, it's you and him tonight, and he's asking you, when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, but they couldn't keep their eyes open. They didn't know what to say. I mean, if he's if just you and him, nobody else, you and him, he's looking at you tonight. I'm asking you to watch and pray. You've got loved ones that don't know, know me. Watch and pray. You're going to have calamity happen this week. Watch and pray. You've got a community that needs Christ. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. What would your answer be? And would you be like Peter? At least they didn't make up excuses. I think that's the worst thing that, that God you know, despises is excuses. Well, you know, I would, but... No, no, no. At least, at least they, they, they were honest about it and just... Sorry, I don't know. If he's asking you that, because the reality is he is. Christ is looking at you face to face tonight through the power of the Holy Spirit and asking you this question. Are you watching and praying? Is that hunger like Peter? Whenever I'm not in the room, man, you wake up and you come find me? Or has it like Peter now? Because it's the same guy, but two different versions. It's the same guy, we have the early Peter who gets up and follows Jesus, the later Peter who, when Jesus needs him the most, is too lazy. I don't want to beat him up too bad because that could easily be me and it's been me in the past. I told you when I was at Bible college and that, that that same thing had happened. I didn't lose my way, I was still a good Christian person, but like that pond I talked about, I had become stale. I was a Christian going to heaven, but I was a stale Christian. It's happened to me in ministry. Been in ministry 10 years. It's happened to me. It can happen. 
You go through the routine of doing the same thing every week, and before you know it, that love, that passion, that fire that Peter once had, that you once had when you first gave your life to Christ, where is it? I've heard people say that when they gave their life to Christ, they would cry for two or three days in a row. Just so such an amazing experience. Now, some people might say, yeah, well, I've matured in my Christianity. You know what? Can I tell you something? I've matured in my relationship with my wife, but I love her more now than I did back then. I'm a little more vocal about it now. I mean, I, I, I do all these things. In fact, there was a, a pastor that I had heard about tell this story, and uh, I said, man, I'm going to steal that story because it's good. But, but he said that, uh, and it's a true story, he said that he had uh, went to the floral store, the flower shop, as men call it. We don't call it floral, so flowers. We go to the flower shop, and he buys some roses for his wife. And he's checking out, and he buys the roses. About an hour or two goes by. Again, this is a true story. Pastor, not too far from here. A couple hours go by. He goes back to the same flower shop, buys a different bouquet, checks out for his wife, moves on. A couple hours go by. He goes back to the same flower shop, buys another bouquet for his wife, checks out, and as he's checking out, the clerk said, wow, you must have really messed up today. That's what they would say if it was me. And I'm like, you have no idea. But anyway, but, but he, you know what he said? He said, no, I just believe you keep her like you got her. In other words, this is how I won my wife's affection. And I want to keep doing these things. How much more should it be that way with Christ? This is what it was like when I first gave my life to him, when he first, when he first came in me and changed me. And I want to keep doing these things. You know, one of, the, one of the great rebukes in Revelation of one of the seven churches is Jesus says, go back to what? Your first love and do your works over again. Sometimes let us not be so careful to criticize new Christians and their love for the Lord. Instead, let us celebrate and let us be right down there dancing and shouting and crying and, and worshiping with them. Let us not be so careful as to let that love, that fire that we have, that hunger that we have for the Lord become stale like Peter. Because Peter denied Christ he paid the price. He was redeemed later. Are you more in love with him than you were a year ago at this time? Last Thanksgiving, could you say that you're more in love with Jesus today? You've got more of the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You've got more of the love of God in your life. More of the gifts of the Spirit in your life than you did a year ago? What about six months ago? Last week, last year. Listen to this. A stale heart quickly becomes a calloused heart, and a calloused heart becomes a bitter heart, which results in a dead heart. Say it one more time. A stale heart quickly becomes a calloused heart, which quickly becomes a bitter heart, which results in a dead heart. We wonder why sometimes people kind of slip out the back and we don't notice. This is what's sometimes happening in their own life. Some people maybe that used to come to this church a year ago or two years ago, and maybe they're not here anymore. Maybe this is what's going on in their life. That stagnant heart that they had became a calloused heart. They become a little indifferent to sin. They become a little indifferent to things that used to offend them and bother them spiritually. Now it's really no big deal. And we use the tag of, well, I'm a mature Christian, I can handle it. Let's be careful. And before we know it, that calloused heart becomes a dead heart. And that dead heart becomes out of relationship with him. It becomes bitter. 
want to say this before we pray and end. Understand this. His love and passion for you hasn't changed. What's amazing about the thing with Peter, and that's another sermon. If you want to stay for another about 30 minutes, I'll preach it to you. I know you don't. But anyway, what's amazing about Peter is in John 21, he's completely restored. You know what that says? Even that your heart may be stale tonight, even if your heart, your relationship with Christ may be a little stagnant tonight, the good news is if you have something come in and stir that up, and that something is the Holy Spirit, when he comes in and stirs up that heart and hey, you go back to your first love, then before you know, just like Peter, you're fully restored. Jesus didn't say, Peter, if you want to be restored, here's a 10-step process. No, he said, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. You're restored. Boom. Go off and preach. He is a God that wants to restore even stale hearts. Fanatically fresh equals fanatically blessed. When you're stale, you're more likely to fail. Let's pray. Father, we love your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord, that your word never changes in an ever-changing world. Lord, your word is not an opinion. It is not a good thought. It is the eternal, unchanging word of Almighty God. And we thank you for that. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that your words will become uh, branded upon our heart, seared upon our, our soul, Lord, that we would love you. I pray for all of us, Lord, that, that especially the older Christians, that we might have that fanatically fresh hunger for you, just like Peter did when the relationship was, that when we first gave our life to you, that our hunger would stay fresh, that our passion would stay fresh for you, Lord. Let us never become stale. Let us never become routine in our relationship with you, but always be hungry, always watch, always pray, because you're asking us to, because our community needs us to, because the lost need us to. Lord, we don't know what we'll face, but if we watch and pray, we'll be ready. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We are nothing without you. We give this night to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.